0: You're listening to the Lifetree Church Sermon of the Week. We pray that as you hear this word, you would be encouraged and inspired as you pursue Jesus in your everyday life. Do you have those events or experiences in life where you're invited and initially you're hesitant and then afterwards you're like, of course, that always is worthwhile? A morning run would be my example of something I would think about. Maybe it's coming to church. Boy, I'd been away a few weeks on a holiday, and I came in the doors last Sunday, and between entering the glass doors and getting into this room, I was already like, whoa, I think I'm filled up already. It was (laughs) mind-blowing, the numbers of people I met who have so much meaning in my life. You get a half a dozen hugs and encouragements and updates, and it's a beautiful place to, to be together, so... Caleb said it well last week. He said, Lifetree, you love very well. And if you were here last Sunday, you saw all the new families that were across the front. Oh my goodness. Did you just ride off that all week? That was like high octane for me to see all the different people and the, the different ways in which people have come into our community. Just fantastic to be part of this. So I'm excited, and I hope that coming to church is something that you're excited to do, and then afterwards you're doubly excited you went, because this is such a way to get ready for the coming days in the week ahead to be excited about what Jesus calls you into Monday through Saturday. This is just such a great opportunity. This morning we're going to talk about hearts that hear. So there'll be a slide coming up here, and I want to talk to you this morning about hearing, about listening. How are we doing? Let's let's back up one. There we go. That's my dog Soda Pop. Our dog's 14 now. And like most as they age, he's losing some of his faculties. So right now he's really good at talking but not at listening. Cuz his bark has never had a problem, but he's stone deaf. So he comes barreling out of the house every time someone comes over, even when we as family members who live on our property come home. And he's just loud, 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 loud. And you can do anything you want with your voice calling him. He doesn't hear you. So it's purely a one-way conversation. He's doing all the talking. And there's the possibility that in our lives, it might not be correlated to age. We're quite adept at the one and not the other. And this morning, we're going to take time to settle in a little bit and listen and learn a bit more about listening and the power in Jesus' teaching toward us of hearts that hear. I really like in pondering this this last few weeks that in English, when you look at the word heart, right in the middle of it, you've got the word ear And in fact, when you get into scriptures, it's surprising, both Old and New Testament, how commonly God speaks to our heart being responsive or tender, and he says that if it is, we're able to hear. And conversely, when we have a heart that's hard or a heart that's callous, we're essentially spiritually deaf. And so there's a lot of relationship between where our heart is And what our ears are able to do. Our hearts essentially have ears. And so we'll find a lot of words and phrases and terms in scripture. We'll cover a few of them this morning. It's kind of like a thesaurus of phrases that all embody the idea of having ears that hear. Which was often a tagline Jesus put onto parables and teachings. Whoever has ears that hear. Which is kind of a strange one, right? Of course we all have ears. And yeah, sound is coming through, but it's kind of like you can see someone behave kind of unkindly or crudely in a situation, and maybe the challenge to that person is, have a heart. Like, yes, there's an organ pumping blood, but there's not a very feeling response coming from that person. So, ears that hear. And in a moment, we're going to read from John 5. If you have a Bible with you this morning on a phone or in the actual printed form, having John 5 open would be great. I really love the fact this morning that Caleb touched on the International Day of Prayer for the Persecuted Church, because I wanted to as well. So I have a little slide there just for a moment. And rather than speaking or praying specifically to IDOP, I wanted to have the website up there so you could see That if you go to IDOP.org, you can learn more about the International Day of Prayer for the Persecuted Church. But we've got a member in our congregation, I don't know if Dave Hickson's here today, but he's been regularly posting his communication back and forth with a Ukrainian pastor. And he's been doing that for weeks. And the thing I love about Dave is that he just digs in and prays for things that are tough and big and doesn't give up. Which is always a real encouragement to my faith. And in one of the recent exchanges that was on there that he shared on Facebook, Dave had some insight from this Ukrainian pastor. Imagine pastoring a church in the Ukraine at this time, in this season. And so I wanted to take a pause also to pray this morning. And I'll just read to you a snippet of what was in that exchange from that pastor in the Ukraine. He said to us as the church in Canada, he knows he's writing to Dave Hickson in Victoria, who's part of Life Tree? So I love that it's very personal, this message to us. He says, prayers which you all pray are really necessary. Pray for Russia's army to be tangled and discouraged. I see more and more that in this situation, only the Lord can give victory. And then he says, just like in the story of King Jehoshaphat, we praise and worship the Lord, and praise is our spiritual weapon. So tangled and discouraged, praise and worship. Can you just take one minute with me and together we'll just pray and praise God for a victory coming in the Ukraine and freedom and release for his people. Let's just go into that. In Jesus' name, Lord, we ask that you... Lord, we pray for breakthrough in hope and confidence for your people gathered in Ukraine as they worship this weekend, that they would be just covered with your grace and your goodness, Holy Spirit, that you would fill them with joy, that you'd equip them to praise in situations that look so miserable, and that they would have breakthroughs, Lord, in how they declare the victory that is theirs in Jesus' name through their region and ask, Lord God, together with them for the tangling and discouragement of Russia's armies in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, if you were here last Sunday as well, because it was a family Sunday, Kelly was speaking up here. The kids were all gathered in the front, and as she was communicating, she kept on doing this, right? How appropriate as we talk about hearing today? And she would say the thunder of horses' hooves, and we'd all right. That was amazing. And then she'd say, the rush of waters as the parting of the sea was and we would do all this and that was great. And then the cheering of deliverance. We're like, woohoo! So we got to participate in the service last week and more or less create the soundtrack of the Red Sea deliverance and the people of Israel coming out of 400 years of slavery in Egypt. And it's interesting to know if we were to look at one another's lives and just go, what am I hearing right now? What's the soundtrack going on in your life? What's the backstory that's kind of motivating what's taking place for you? We see that there's um, a chapter we're going to look at in John chapter 5. And there's a healing at a pool, and it's an absolute miracle. A 38-year-long paralyzed person is set free with a word from Jesus. And in the moments that that happened, in the aftermath of that amazing miracle, all you see documented by all the Jews who have observed the miracle and this man walking around is absolute disgust at what's taken place. We are talking about hearts that are so stone cold. And I want to emphasize this morning, I don't believe this message is for someone else who we really wish was here who needs to be hearing this. I want today's message to be for me and for you, so that we're looking where God wants to do his work in us. After the healing, and this was the rub point, after Jesus healed this man with a word, he said to him on a Sabbath, which is critical to the story, take up your mat and walk. You can go. So he hasn't been able to move on his own in 38 years. And the fixation of the people who observe is that he's violating a Sabbath commandment which says you weren't allowed to carry a burden. You weren't supposed to work. Well, and Jesus had done a little bit of heavy spiritual lifting. He had worked too. He'd healed someone. He'd kind of done miraculous doctor stuff on a day that was supposed to be a break day. So verse 12 in John 5 says, who does this person think they are to instruct you to take up your mat and walk after you were healed? This was the blowback Jesus got for healing a man paralyzed 38 years. So I'll do a wardrobe change, pull my glasses out, grab John 5, and we'll take a peek at it. We're just going to read from verse 16 to 26. So the healings happened. The man has walked with his mat, as Jesus instructed him. The people are just completely blown that he would tell him to pick up a mat and walk. And so here we are at verse 16 of John 5. So because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jews persecuted him. Jesus said to them, my father's always at his work to this very day, meaning God does good things even on the Sabbath, and I too am working. For this reason, the Jews tried all the harder to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, he was even calling God his own Father, making himself equal with God. Jesus gave them this answer I tell you the truth. The Son can do nothing by himself, He can do only what He sees His Father doing, because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. There's perfect harmony. For the father loves the son and shows him all he does. Yes, to your amazement, he will show him even greater things than these. For just as the father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the son gives life to whom he is pleased to give it. Moreover, the father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to the son, that all may honor the son just as they honor the father. He who does not honor the son... Does not honor the father who sent him. There seems to be a lot of closeness, isn't there, between father and son. They're clear on their roles and they're incredibly supportive of one another. Verse 24, I tell you the truth. Whoever, and this is our theme, hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. And will not be condemned. He has crossed over from death to life. Can you say crossed over? crossed over. I tell you the truth, a time is coming and has now come when the dead will hear the voice. Listen listen to this. The dead will hear the voice of the son of God and those who hear will live. So God has this ability to take a person who's spiritually dead, speak to their heart, cause them to hear, and in so doing, have them cross over from death to life. Verse 26, for as the father has life in himself, so he has granted the son to have life in himself. And we'll stop there. Take it in. People completely struck by the power and the ability of Jesus see a man enabled after 30 years of paralysis moving freely, and they get stuck on an issue that isn't the issue. And it's a hard issue for them that causes them to miss what God's saying. They can't hear. They basically have a soundtrack already playing. And the soundtrack prevents them from hearing what God is messaging to his people. So rather than asking questions like, who is this man and how do I get to know him? Or where does he get this power and how do I get his power released in my life? Because I kind of feel like if that was going on around me, that the main message in my brain would be, can I get a piece of this action? There was a lot of people needing healing. But they criticized the way that Jesus functioned. They criticized the claims that Jesus made. And maybe there's times... When you find yourself or I find myself in a conversation, perhaps just in our head, perhaps with another person, and we actually, when we hear how God has spoken or revealed himself in scripture, we actually feel a little bit ashamed that that's the way God does it. Do you ever find yourself somewhat apologetic for how God's functioned in the past? He's done things that we can't reconcile in our mind or we don't logically understand, and we actually feel a little bit ashamed that we're aligning ourselves with a God who allowed that to happen. We can't give him free reign to be who he is. We're actually more or less shying back from the raw power of God demonstrating himself and manifesting himself. So the amazement that the crowd experienced didn't become glory to God, hallelujah. The amazement became consternation, frustration, criticism, and all the more they tried to kill him. And I think it sticks out for all of us at times if you've been around a little bit and watched God at work, you've been able to conclude, as you can see from this experience, miracles don't bring about believers necessarily, right? And there were times when people did say, even in Jesus' day, if you just come and do a miracle, then people would believe. And Jesus said, no, probably not. And why? Why is it that a miracle doesn't make a believer? That's right. And if the heart's hard, you can have all those miracles and you still won't believe. There's a miracle, it's the miracle that kind of is foundational to every miracle having effect in our lives, and it's that we have a believing heart. It's that we've become tender to hear and that we're able to be responsive, a heart prepared by Holy Spirit. I was listening and maybe you have before to Pastor Chuck Swindoll this last week. I think the guy's been preaching three times as long as I've been alive. (laughs) He's ageless. And he talked about how so often over the years, because he's preached thousands of sermons, people have come up to him in venues and started to thank him for his teaching and how his teaching impacted their lives. And his response, he said, generally in those situations is to stop the person's praise and say, I've been obedient did what I was supposed to, take note that in that moment, you were teachable. In that moment, you were teachable. So he turns the praise around to see the miracle of a heart prepared by God. And that's what's so wonderful to note is that every ability and response of belief is a miracle. And once we've got that, guys, we don't want to let go of that soundtrack. Verse 24 might be my favorite in this passage, the crossover verse. Look at that there. Verse 24, I tell you the truth. Whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. He's crossed over from death to life. I think that often in my journey with Jesus, I've considered that eternal life is kind of like an RRSP, And it's setting up a clear pathway for the future that down the road, sometime in the distant long away, I'll get to tap into this contract I set up when I was young and smart. And that's the eternal life. You get eternal life activated when you die. That is not biblical teaching. Biblical teaching is your heart believes and you cross over. Which means the moment of belief is the moment of eternal life being seated in you. Which is why Jesus called it a new birth. New life it is, the, is at the moment of belief. And this then changes our way of thinking that when we share Jesus, when we live Jesus, we're not thinking about eternal life as a future option. It's an here and now dynamic, which is why Jesus used so many other Colorful, forceful phrases like rivers of living water come out of this person, not after they die, the moment they believe. So eternal life's activated at birth. You hear, you believe, you cross over. If you understand that at a heart level, it changes how you interact with Jesus because you realize you're not waiting for something. You've already inherited it. You'll see the fulfillment of it down the road. The message, the way that Eugene Peterson translated verse 24 is incredible. He puts beautiful words to it. I want to especially notice two phrases. I'll read the message, John five twenty four to you. He says, it's urgent that you listen carefully to this anyone here who believes what I'm saying right now and aligns himself with the Father. Can you say that? Aligns himself with the Father. So that's another way. Obey, listen, pay attention, aligns himself. Who has in fact put me in charge, has at this very moment, at this very moment, the real lasting life and is no longer condemned to be an outsider. This person has taken, oh, I love this phrase, a giant step. From the world of the dead to the world of the living. Guys, say it with me eternal life starts now. It starts now. And that's why hearing and believing is so critical in our faith journey. Verse 25 the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. This is the power of the gospel at work in society, in our families, in our neighborhoods. And yes, today's message is about us listening. But to realize this is the capability of the gospel message. It always has this power to transform lives. And I'm generally very unskilled at predicting who will be changed by it. Hard hearts can melt in moments And people who seem so close can miss out for years on experiencing the crossover of moving into Jesus' arms. Deafness brings death. Listening brings life. Think of a child walking away from their parent and their parent beckons them and says, hey, stop. And the child may or may not look back but they keep on walking forward. They've heard, but they're not hearing. The word has been given, but they're not responding. If the child continues to walk away, we could just as well say they're not hearing, they're not listening, or they're not obeying. In our faith walk, God speaks to us. We get to choose to listen or to ignore And if we don't submit to his words when he speaks to us, I don't believe generally in my own experience, he goes on to say a whole lot more. I want to say that again to you. If he says something to me and I don't pay attention, I'm disobeying, I'm not listening, he doesn't go on to say a whole lot more. If the parent was calling the child back to say, not only you can't go play at your friends, but you need to come home, and it's time for dinner, and you need to wash your hands, but the child keeps on going, the parent isn't giving the rest of the instructions. Because until the child attends and aligns themselves with the parent, they're not going to get the full download. And I'm not saying this is always the case, but there's plenty of people I've met over the years who say God's quite silent in their life. And the presumption is the onus is on Jesus, on God himself. He's not talking. And how often is it actually the opposite? We've been walking. He did speak. We ignored. And now he's strangely silent. What a great opportunity to back up the bus and go back to that moment which I believe, and I've never seen God quiet on this, You ask him, Lord, where did I stop listening? Do you believe that any child of a loving parent asking, Daddy, where did I stop listening? That their loving parent wouldn't give them an honest answer immediately? Because he wants intimacy with you. He wants eternal life to be flowing out of your life. And if the opportunity is presented for God to speak to a listening heart, he does. He's so good that way. My wife and I had the most incredible vacation. We were in Italy cycling. And another couple that we'd been cycling with for a number of days, we'd spent quite a bit of time together, we'd had meals together, and they were very clear a few days in that I was in love with Jesus. And at one point in our day's ride... The woman from the other couple and myself got out in front of the pack, and we got to a beautiful vista, and we stopped and waited. This is fall in Italy. There are vineyards with all the colored leaves. All of harvest is going on actively in the fields. It's so beautiful. And we were both exclaiming to each other, this is jaw-dropping. This is just so gorgeous. And we're going on like that, and she saw there was a problem here possibly, and she turned to me and said, I'm not religious. It was such an odd comment until you realized what the, what the moment was offering. And what the moment was offering is someone very loving, intelligent, and ordered, put this together, and if I'm not careful, I could start believing, I could start hearing, because lots is being said. And so she saw the open door for me to say, what a creator, and she's like, let's just stop that conversation right there. And it really, like daily, has brought me back, though that's been two weeks since that conversation. What's the moment in your life where despite all the evidence, the soundtrack playing in the background says, but I'm not listening. And it made me think, I think it's Psalm 19, he speaks of the wonder of creation and the glory of the heavens. And he says, day after day, they pour forth speech. There's just this... Essay of, of, of an ode to God's goodness, his creativity and the wonder of what he's done and the, and the magnitude or scale of what he's created, that anybody looking at the skies or the heavens or nature, they have to come to a conclusion if, if their heart's tender. And for the person who's not, we wait for the miracle. In Luke 11, Jesus chastises Jews. Very similar to the situation that we just read in John 5, where so much has taken place that such a clear message, there's such an obvious hearing opportunity. And he says in Luke 11:31, 31, and he's referencing back to the time of Solomon, when the splendor of Solomon's kingdom was such a testimony to the majesty of God. He says, the queen of Sheba will rise upon the day of judgment to accuse and condemn this generation for its unbelief. She journeyed from a far and distant land just to listen to the wisdom of King Solomon. And one greater than Solomon speaks with you today, but you refuse to listen. She knew there was something going on in a kingdom that she just had to get a taste and a view of. And she was willing to travel to come to the message. And then there's others who have the message right on their doorstep. And they cross their arms and say, not me, I'm not listening. And honestly, guys, I think in every one of our lives, there's little places we protect where we don't want to listen. So, what's God saying? What do we need to hear? Let's wrap up just looking briefly at Matthew 13. Matthew 13 concludes with that same beautiful He who has ears, let him hear. And as a person who loves to grow food, loves to be outside hobby farming. Those words that start off in verse 3, a farmer went out to sow his seed. That's just exciting. That's spring. Things are warming up. There's a new season and an opportunity. And it says in Matthew thirteen three and following, we'll just read to verse 9. A farmer went out to sow his seed. And as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. Birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places it didn't have much soil it sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow but when the sun came up the plants were scorched they withered because they had no root other seed fell among thorns which grew up and choked the plants still other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop a hundred sixty or thirty times what was sown he who has ears let him hear So one obvious takeaway in this is that the seed is equally vital in every application. All the life ability in every seed is equal. But the outcome depends on the GPS coordinates, the heart, where the seed lands. So it could be rocky, it could be a pathway, it could be thorny, it could be great soil. It's representing hearts and ears and our response To the same life giving, pregnant with ability seed. It's what we do with it. And when you look at what chokes out the seed, what prevents the seed from growing, I think that this is a great way to talk about the soundtrack of our lives. We read there about the hurry and the worry and the deceitfulness of wealth. And sometimes we are to blame when others ask us how we're doing. We depict our lives in worldly terms of how busy we are, often with a sense busier is better because it means we have value, importance, productivity, contribution. It's not a kingdom measurement in the least. We get caught up in the money. We get caught up in the hurry. If there's not enough of either, we get caught up in the worry. And between hurry, worry, and wealth... We create a soundtrack, then you throw in a little bit of family illness, a family accident, a crisis where someone doesn't do what you'd wished and you can't control their choices, and you've got a pure mayhem soundtrack as the background noise to the daily activity you're in. This notion of come away with me and listen to my voice and respond with a tender heart and do what I'm calling you. It's like, I, I don't have time to do that today. I'm busy. I'm hurried, and I'm worried. But this choice is ours. It's the same gospel. It's a heart choice. And it's a beautiful opportunity to see the richness of eternal life in that crossover opportunity in our day-to-day. So in closing... I want to put three thoughts out there of what we could do to take this home. And then when we move into Table Sunday, this could be your opportunity around a meal to unpack it a little bit with one another. Summarized say yes, ask for understanding, and change the soundtrack. Say yes. Caleb, in chatting with me this week about it, noted that Bill Johnson often in teaching would say something along these lines The clarity with which we hear God is in relation to the yes that's already in our hearts. If you're waking up in the morning as a child of the Most High God saying, Whatever it is you're calling me into, I'm ready. I want it. I want to see your power. I want to be in situations where I don't have sufficient ability to the challenge set before me. I want to see you show off. I want to be faithful. I want your name honored, lifted up, magnified, and extolled through my day. This is about you getting glory. Let's go. You start off with that type of yes, and I think there will be a lot to hear. So that could be one place where you want to ask God... Matthew 13, 19, when Jesus is unpacking the meaning of the parable of the sower to his disciples, says in verse 19, When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. There might be something that is a sticking point for you. On current challenges and conflicts in society, you don't know what God's heart is on it, or even worse... You know what God's heart is on it, and you won't bend your heart to it. And you need understanding sufficient to say yes to him, even if you can't understand it. But you need to get to a point where your heart is bending to his, where your mind aligns with his. He's not changing his mind. He's God. So you need to ask for understanding and alignment in your heart. And I think a lot of us have areas of life where we're not really agreeing with how God sees things and what the Scripture lays out for us. So we could be praying for that. And finally, change the soundtrack. How do you change the soundtrack? One of the Psalms I was reading in the last few weeks was Psalm 73. You get, a worshiper beset by the challenges of daily life, and he sees people succeeding. This is the classic theme in the Psalms, right? You see people succeeding who aren't supposed to succeed. They're doing bad things bad ways. They should be going to ruin, and things are going great for them. And he's all tied up in knots, and he doesn't know how to respond. And I think this can be us on a day-to-day basis, And the beautiful thing is he comes to resolve in Psalm 73. He says, until I went into the sanctuary. And then, in the presence of God, he was able to settle himself. And God could speak and he could hear. I don't think there's a way around worshiping if you want to change the soundtrack. If you're going to put hurry, worry, and wealth in its place... You'll need to position your heart before the Most High God. What we did this morning with seven, eight people who practiced and prepped for the week, that's a beautiful experience, but how do we take that into tomorrow? So that we can give him the praise he deserves, because that really is saying yes at the start or whatever point in the day we choose to do it. So with that, I trust there's something for each that we can be hearing. And as we get ready to take the chairs with arms and stack them and the ones without arms and set them to the side and put the straight tables in the front and the round tables in the back as Caleb instructed, (laughs) I was hearing. (laughs) You can also be asking the Lord, what is it that I'll share with the people I get to share my, I believe it was a burrito, Kelly said. What could we share around lunch that would be that opportunity to just make it a bit more accountable, a bit more shared, put some words to it. So let's just wrap up in prayer and then look forward to lunch together. We take great delight, Jesus, that you are in such close contact with the Father, that whether it's teaching or judging or giving life, there's such clarity around how you do what you do And you're working for good purposes in every one of our lives. And each of us have family members and neighbors and coworkers who come to mind where we're desperate for a miracle. But Lord, we know that you want to work in our lives too. And so we submit ourselves to you, asking for tender hearts that say yes, that seek to understand rather than resist what doesn't make sense now. May you give us wisdom, Lord God, and hearts that are tender. Holy Spirit, we welcome you that we'd be the 30, 60, 100 times soil that receives this powerful seed and experiences the fruit crossing over to eternal life. We pray in your magnificent name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Life Tree Church Sermon of the Week. At Lifetree, we are a family all about declaring and displaying Jesus to transform lives and benefit our city. If you'd like to find out more about Lifetree, you can find us online at lifetree.ca.